Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Praise the Lord. So, you know, when you preach, you know, like I do every week, you always have to be very careful that you don't get like on a, you know, just like on a routine where you just preach. You always want to be sensitive. And, you know, and that's why sometimes it's a fight for me when I, when I struggle sometimes, you know, to know what I'm going to preach about, to make sure that I'm in the right vein, you know. Right now, I'm, revival is cooking in my heart, you know. That's what I would love to preach every single time. <laughs> but, you know, but I feel like the Lord has given me, you know, a word, you know, in this time, in this season, for this particular hour that I believe the body of Christ needs to hear. Amen. So we're going to read, read uh, Psalms chapter 3. Psalms chapter 3. If you dare say amen. If you're not there, say please wait for me. If you don't have a Bible, look next to someone that thinks that they're more spiritual than you because they have a Bible. And you don't. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. I like, I like to hear the turning of the pages. So, um, Psalms chapter 3, verse 1 through 4. Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there's no help for him in God, Selah. But somebody say this with me, but thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter up of mine head. Look at the person next to you and tell them, lift your head up. If you're looking for a title for this message, it's called lift your head up. But as the body of Christ, lift your heads up. Amen. Verse 4, verse 4. I cry unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. Psalm 24, Psalm 24, verse 6 through 10. Psalm 24, get there. This is the generation of them that seek him, that seek thy face, O Jacob. Lift up your heads. Somebody say, lift up your heads. Thank you. O ye gates, and be ye lifted up. Ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Say that again. And the king of glory shall come in. Verse 8. Who is this king of glory? Somebody say, the Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Say that again. The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. So let's stand up one more time tonight. Let's stand up one more time tonight. And just raise both of your hands towards heaven if you can. And let's make this prophetic decoration tonight. And I want you to say it as aloud. Say, Father God. In the name of Jesus, I come before you. I boldly declare that I believe in the supernatural. I believe in miracles. 
this evening, Lord, I ask you to give me eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to receive, a will to obey, and faith to act. In the name of Jesus Christ, I take my position in Christ, and I take authority over every spirit that does not confess the name of Jesus. I command them to leave this place, and I declare that this place is an open heaven. The Spirit of God is free to move. The angels of God are ascending and descending. They are going to and fro to execute the commands of God's Word. Oh, preach Holy Spirit. Teach Holy Spirit. Prophesy Holy Spirit. Heal the sick God. Do what only you can do. And take all the glory. In the matchless name of Jesus. If you believe that what your decree has been established. Can you burn with a shout and say amen. Can you say hallelujah. Can you say glory. Can you say glory three times. Amen. Ooh. Amen. If you just give me a little bit of monitor here on my microphone, I would love that. Thank you so much. Um, exegesis and ICGesus are two conflicting approaches in Bible study. Uh, Exegesis is the exposition or explanation of a text based on a careful objective analysis. The word exegesis literally means to lead out of. Somebody said to lead out of. That means that the interpreter is led to conclusion by following the text. The opposite approach to exegesis is eisegesis, which is the interpretation of a passage based on a subject, subjective, non-analytical reading. The word eisegesis literally means to lead into. Somebody say to lead into. Which means that the interpreter injects its own, his own ideas, into the text, making it means whatever he wants. All right? Just like the preacher was talking about the fact that a man went from Jerusalem down to Jericho and then made a comment, you always get in trouble when you go down. All right? But when you look at the geography, Jerusalem is up in the hills, and Jericho is down in the valley. So there's no way to go from Jerusalem to Jericho without going down. So when the Bible speaks about a man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, the Bible is not speaking about morality. Hello? The Bible is talking about the topography of the geography. And that's the danger, the danger of preaching from Old Testament scriptures because it's easy to inject our own, you know, opinions to make the text mean whatever we want. Because Old Testament deals with Description. The narrator deals with description while the New Testament deals with definition. And so, so it is important to give a contextual explanation of the text before we give the practical application of the text. 
Now, having said all of this, you know, it's important for us to practice, to practice exegesis when we do our personal Bible studies or when we preach. But you can be so stuck into a structure, analytical approach until there's no room for the prophetic. Hello? Until there's no room for what word is proceeding now. Hello? Because think about this. Uh, uh, the scripture says in 2 Peter 1 and 12, Wherefore I will not be negligent. Thank you for, for, the, for, for, the, for, the, for the monitor. I appreciate that. I will not, therefore, wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though, somebody say, though ye know them, and be established in the present truth. Somebody say present truth. Not yesterday's truth, but somebody say present. Very important. Present truth. So, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone. But by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of, of God. And folks, the word has not stopped proceeding. Because God is still speaking. Hello? He's still speaking. In the now. So Abraham, take your son to Mount Moriah. And sacrifice him. And kill him. So that was that word. So if Abraham is stuck into his exegetical analysis. He's literally going to miss what God really wants to do. Because the next word that comes is don't kill your son. Well I already heard what the Lord told me yesterday. Hello? Somebody shout present truth. This is the present truth. Kill your son. That was a yesterday's truth. Hello? So if I don't have the flexibility, the dexterity, come on, to be able to yield to the spirit, not based on what God told me yesterday, I'm going to miss what he's telling me now and go straight. And that's the problem with some churches in some places. You know, they're still connected to yesterday's manner. But they're only supposed to eat it for one day. And yesterday's manna is spoiled. And God has a fresh word for you that will establish you in the prophetic moment. The Bible says the son of Issachar were wise. Why? Because they understood the time and the season. And they knew what Israel ought to do. They didn't rely on a yesterday word. But they understood the now word. So it's interesting that Bishop writes. Bishop writes. The father of Wilbur and Orville was attending a conference. And in that conference, uh, a man got up and began to give a word. And the word was, this coming a time where men will no longer just drive along horseback, you know. From place to place to preach the gospel. But they will fly. And Bishop Wright was in that meeting. And he got up and protested. He shouted, heresy. 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 He said, flight is reserved for angels. Hello? If God wanted men to fly, he would have given them wings. And there's nowhere in the scripture where he says that man will fly. He picked up his two sons after his brief protest, Wilbur and Orville, and walked out of the building. Only to understand that a few years later, his two sons, Orville and Wilbur, were moving into prophetic imagination. And I credited for man flying today. Come on, somebody. He was too stuck in his exegetical, exegetical analysis. And there was no room for the prophetic. He had a yesterday's word, but there was a present truth that came through a prophetic word. 
but he was not open to it. Why am I telling you all of this? The kind of message I'm preaching tonight is not so much of an exegetical word. It's a prophetic word, you know, prophetic word for the moment and for the hour. Uh, uh, we've been going through some stuff in the last three years. The church, the body of Christ, America, and the world. There's been some disruption. We've gone through a pandemic. Prices are rising. The jobs are ending. The money is shrinking. And I'm not going to make light of the sufferings that you may have incurred these last few years. Uh, But I believe that uh, many of us have cowered down and we've we've taken a position of retreat. We've taken a beating, so to speak. And all the devil wants you and I to do is to go into a fetal position and feel bad for what's happening. You know, I was in communication with people in the Ukraine in Kiev this afternoon. It's amazing the resilient spirit that I can feel for people that are in the middle of the war and they still have the ability to praise the Lord and being confident in his word. Hello? And so sometimes we have the tendency to catastrophize. That simply means that when we elevate the problem and believe in the worst of every situation more than we believe in God's ability to turn things around. Hello? Listen to the words today in Psalms chapter 3. Ha! He said, many are they. Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there's no help for him in God. There's no help for America in God. After everything that we've been going through. There's no help for the world in God. There's no help for Ukraine. There's no help. There's no help in your marriage. There's no help in your finances. There's no help with your bad report that you receive. There's no help with what is going on in this nation. There's no help for Valdosta. Let's bring it home. Hello? Many be there. Be which say of my soul, there's no help for him. But thou, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter up of my head. Hello? The prophetic word for this season and for the next season, I believe, the Lord is saying, lift your head up. <sighs> lift your head up. And open up the gate. And let the king of glory step in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord strong and strong in battles. Come on, somebody. Oh, we've been beaten down. They've been thinking you may have had some setbacks. But let me tell you something. God is saying to you in Valdosta, Georgia, lift your head up and open up your gate. King Jesus, the Messiah, is ready to step in with power, with the glory, with miracles and signs and wonders. Hallelujah. Listen, I know. People say, well, you know, that sounds like a feel-good message, but it doesn't match up with my reality. Now, listen, when Moses died, Moses died, God said to Joshua, arise. I know you just went through a major loss, major difficulty. The children mourned for 30 days. It was a difficult time of transition. But he said, arise and take the children of Israel and cross over into the promised land. They were in a precipice of fulfilling 40 years of waiting. But this is where the expert would have said, the river is at floating stage. You may have had the right words, but the timing is off. Can't we pull this, hold this off for a little while? Because there are other times of the year when the river doesn't overrun its bank. Where even little kids can cross without any problems. But right now, this is not going to work. 
the, the current is strong. It looks impossible. When we look at statistic, nomenclature, description, information, this ain't going to work on paper. I know you say you heard from God, but your timing is up. But here's what God said to Joshua. Today, I am about to elevate you in the eyes of the people. And they're about to see that as I was with Moses, I will be with you. I know right now, when I say lift your head up and open the gate, people will say, well, you know, we have a war raging in Europe. Come on, the economy is shrinking. We have inflation. Things are going in the wrong direction. I don't know how God is going to do what you're talking about. Listen, don't get caught up into nomenclature. Don't get caught up, caught up, caught up into descriptions, into information. Listen, lift up your head. Open up the gates and let the king of glory step in. Your job is to lift your head up. Your job is to open up the gate. His job as the king of glory is to step in. Glory be to God. Who is this king of glory? What is he going to do when he step in? Oh, is the Lord strong and mighty? Is the Lord strong in battle? I'm getting ready to prophesy to somebody. God is about to break into your impossibility. God is about to turn, hallelujah, your captivity around. Oh, the Lord, the King of the Lord, the King of glory, mighty in battle, is about to defeat every enemy. The enemy in your finances, the enemy in your family, the enemy of your health, the enemy, glory be the God of your city, the enemy of this nation. God himself will step in the scene and release his glory. I dare you to shout glory three times. Come on, some people come to church to spectate. Some people come to church to pontificate. Hello? But God is looking for some people that will come to participate. Come on, it was, it was revivalist Charles Feeney that says that if Mr. Amen and Mr. Wet I, Red, Wet I are not present in the meeting, there will be no revival. And I said, if Mr. Amen and Mr. Hallelujah and Mr. Glory are not present in the meeting, there will be no revival. I wonder if Mr. Amen showed up tonight. I wonder if Mr. Hallelujah is here tonight. I wonder if Mr. Glory is here tonight. Can you say amen with fire? Can you say glory three times with fire? Can you say hallelujah three times with fire? Hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. 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 Hallelujah. This ain't going to be one of those services where the rocks are going to come in and cry out in your place. Because I can hear some of those rocks, they're ready to come in the building. But ain't no rock going to cry in my place today. Because Mr. Amen and Mr. Hallelujah are in the building. Hallelujah. So he's describing in Psalm 24 the Jacob generation. He says, this is a generation that seek you, O Jacob. A generation that seek you. When you think about Jacob in Genesis 28, Jacob had a dream. And in that dream, he saw a ladder and the top of the ladder was connected to heaven. And the bottom was connected to the earth. And then there were some activities. Somebody say activities. Somebody say throne room activities. Oh, the kingdom is a kingdom of activities. They are act, throne room activities, operations of power, administrations of the spirit, angels being released, the delivery mechanism of God. Glory be to God when we pray. And so he saw a, a, some activities between heaven and the earth. And he woke up and listened to his words. He said, God was in this place and I did not even know it. Hello? Tell somebody, don't miss your visitation. 
Oh, God is going to be here. He's here now. He's going to be here tomorrow. He's going to be here Sunday. He's going to be here the coming weeks, but don't miss your visitation. The God is in this place, and I did not even know it. And then listen to what he said. He made another comment. He said, this is none other than the house of God. It is the gates of heaven. Hello? So what he saw, the activity that he saw was taking place in the house of God. And he described, he gives us an insight and in saying that the house of God is the gate of heaven. And that simply means that the gates of heaven, the gates of heaven is the house of God. So that, in, that implies that everywhere you see a house of God, there you have a gate of heaven. And that simply means that, you know, a gate is a place of entrance. It's a place of exit and entrance. So when heaven wants to release something on the earth, it's going to come through the church gate. Hello? It's going to come through the church gate. And in the house of God, there are activities of power, operations of power, administration of the spirit, spiritual technology. And the result of those are going to be signs, wonders, and miracles, revival, and transformation. Oh, I feel sorry for people that have quit coming to church. According to George Banner, the statisticians, one-third of people have completely stopped coming to church. Can you believe this? They're missing out. And one of the things with this COVID thing is there's a spirit of alienation and separation. Try to pull people apart, make them feel alone, make them feel discouraged and depressed because the devil doesn't want people to come to church because there's certain things that can only happen Oh, when we get together, that cannot happen when we are apart. Oh, one can chase a thousand. Two can chase ten thousand. And when you're isolated, that you are alone and he can do wreak havoc into your circumstance. But when you come together, there's a power in corporate anointing. So he began to describe the church. But what's even more excited, so where the church is, there is a gate. Simply meaning that when God wants to release something on the earth. He will release it through the gates of the church. But then we move into a New Testament paradigm. Paul even enlarged this concept by saying, don't you know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? You are the temple. You know, the paradigm changed in the Old Testament. You know, he was living in the, in the house, in the tabernacle. Uh, but now the word became flesh. Glory be to God. And now the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And this is becoming significant here. Because ladies and gentlemen, every religion has a holy book. Call it the Quran or whatever you want to call it. Hello? Every religion has a building. Hello? A temple. Every religion has a minister. Oh, but what separates you and I and any other religions in the world is that we have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is a leader in every God-sent revival. He is the ultimate influencer. Come on, he's supposed to bring conviction of sin, righteousness, and judgment. But on top of that, he is my helper. He's the one that will help me navigate through the difficult situation and lead me by the wisdom of God. And the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. What does that mean? It means that now, it's not just that the church is the gate. But you are the gate. Come on now. It's not just that the influence of God comes through the church. But the influence of God comes through you. If you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. If everywhere the church of God is, the gates of heaven is. That means that everywhere you go. Come on, the gates of heaven. The gates of heaven has just showed up. And if you can learn, if you can learn how to lift up your head and how to open up the gate and the, let the king of glory step in, you are, come on, a carrier of his glory. You are a carrier of revival. You are a carrier of a demonstration. You are a... You know, isn't it interesting that I was... In England, and they make they locked me in a hotel for 10 days. When I said locked, they made me stay in a hotel for 10 days in December. Quarantine. They, 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 they. I got tested more than you want to know. 
the last few months traveling around Europe. Tested for this test. And it's amazing how every time my wife called me and said, you get the result of the test yet, baby? I said, yes. She said, did you test it negative? I said, yes. And she's like, glory. I mean, in one week, I almost got tested like almost 10 times. Hello? Isn't it exciting how we get excited about being negative? We used to be like, I want to be positive. But now, somebody gets negative. Oh, he's negative. She's negative. Negative? Oh, so it's not COVID. Hallelujah. We're negative. Listen, it seems like the last three years, the negative is the new positive. But let me put this into a kingdom paradigm. Glory be to God. God has the ability to take the good, the bad, and the ugly and turn it around. The Bible says, all things work together for good. Come on, somebody. As long as you're in the kingdom of God and Jesus is in the equation. And this thing, you know, we, we want to, oh. And then they have these contact tracers. Contact. This is the NHS. When I arrive in London, this is the NHS. Are you aware, Mr. Pay, that if you don't follow the rules, we're going to find you? Are you aware that there are two contact tracers that are coming into your hotel in the next 10 days? Are you aware that you need to... Yes, sir. Yes, yes, yes. Hello? They have contact tracers. And how in the world did they know that I was staying in my hotel? They're tracking my phone. Well, you know, I'm not going to say to you what I did, but... <laughs> the point is this. They were trying to trace this virus. Where did the infection came from? Who carried that infection? We have to quarantine the whole house. Because it is infectious. But let me tell you something else. Transpose that into the glory of God. Think about this virus that started somewhere in the world. One person got on the plane. It came across the world. It shut down nightclubs. Shut down economy. Shut down school. And changed schools. And changed our life as we know it. No government could try to stop it. It just spread like a wildfire. Now if this is what a virus can do... Think about what the Holy Ghost can do. And think about the fact that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And you are the carrier of God's glory. And if you get on fire, you get infected. Glory be to God. If you test positive for the glory of God. And everywhere you go, glory be to God. You lift up your head. You open up the gates. And the King of glory will step in with the power. Oh, glory be to God. When you leave this meeting and you go home, something will happen in your house. And they say, what happened? Well, I went to that meeting at Anchor of Faith Valdosta. And there was a big black man shouting on the microphone. And I felt the heat coming down. And I got healed. I got touched. I'm telling you, the Spirit of of God is stirring the atmosphere with a great force. There's a wave of revival coming and it's getting on you and it is in you. The river is in you but it's going to come out of you. It's going to affect every house, every city. I wonder if Mr. Amen is in the building. I wonder if Mr. Hallelujah is in the building. I wonder if Mr. Glory is in the building. Shout glory three times. I dare you to get happy about it. The kingdom of God is not in meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Where are you going with all of this? I'm going to tell you where I'm going with all of this. God is telling you to let your body language prophesy to your circumstance. Hello? Hello? Come on, get happy about it. The devil wants you to go in a fiddle position and feel bad about what has been going on. But God said, let your body language. But thou, Lord, I shield for me the glory and the lifter on my head. 
He's saying, let your body language, the, sub, the, the conscience and subconscious expressions of attitudes and feelings, let your body language prophesy to your circumstances. Let your body language say to sickness, oh, I am not a sick person trying to be healed. I am a healed person that the devil is trying to make sick. I am not a broke person trying to be blessed. I am a blessed person that the devil is trying to make broke. Come on, this marriage is going to work. My kids are not stupid. They're going to serve God. Come on, let your body language prophesy to your circumstance. Lift your head up. Open up the gates and let the King of Glory step in. Who is this King of Glory? The Lord strong and mighty. He is stronger than inflation. Stronger than cancer. Stronger than COVID. Stronger than resistance. Stronger than people that are trying to bring this country down. Stronger than church politics. Stronger. Oh, who is this king? The Lord. Strong and mighty. Glory. The word Christ. Messiah literally means the anointing and the anointed. Hello? Acts 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit and power. We went, out, we went about doing good and healing some of them. I say healing some of them. Healing all, when the king of glory stepped in, glory be to God, he healed all those who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. Do you realize that the purpose of the yoke, young man sitting here in the front, come, come. Oh, yeah, I'm going to use this sermon. Get on the platform. This is your Hollywood, Hollywood edition. Audition, edition. I'm just going to put you on the chalk hole, but don't worry, I'm not going to. He's almost as tall as me. Could be my cousin. So listen to this. The purpose of the yoke is that whoever controls the yoke controls the circumstances. I want you to get this because this is a trick of the enemy. This is the mechanism of the enemy. This is how the devil works. Hello? And so we have a generation of people that are bound with yoke of addictions. All right? Yoke of perversion. Yoke of sickness. Yoke, yoke of confusion. The purpose of the yoke is that whoever controls the yoke controls the circumstances. You see, a farmer is not as strong as a cow or a mule or those strong horses that they use in Belgium. But they yoke them to control their strength, to control their direction. And that's exactly how the devil works. You have people that are bound with addictions. They want to get out. They just don't know how. They come to church and cry over their vice, their sickness, their dysfunction, and they go back home and do it again. Why? There's a yoke. But the Bible says the anointing. Shout the anointing. Do you want him to be free? Shout the anointing. Shout the anointing. Shout the anointing. Breaks the yoke. Abundance. Thank you, buddy. Come on, somebody. This is exactly what will happen spiritually when you open up the gates and when the King of Glory step in. Come on. That addiction problem is going to be broken by the power of God. That cancer is falling off your body by the power of God. That diabetes is going to be healed by the power of God. That arthritis is going to leave your body. Glory be to God. The proof of the anointing is not in the shout. It's not in the complication, the religious expression. But it's in the result. Come on. Where miracles, deliverances would take place when the power of God is released. Hallelujah. 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 Glory. Shout glory three times. But in order for this to transpire, 
you know, there's always a top line blessing, a bottom line responsibility. The top line, this is what God wants to do. But there's something you have to do. You have to open up the gates. There are seven gates. I'm only giving you one tonight. And if the Lord allow me to continue on this float, I'll give you another one. But one I want to talk about tonight, somebody said the prayer gate. Say it again, the prayer gate. Very, very important. I cry out unto the Lord. And he heard me from his holy hill. Many are they who say that there's no hope for me in the Lord. But thou, O Lord, are a shield for me. The glory and the lifter of my head. And I cry out to the Lord. Hello? And he heard me. In other words, I open up the prayer gate. Hello? This is a generation of Jacob. The generation that seek you. In other words, there's an intensification of passion about this generation. What set them apart is that they seek God. Tell somebody, seek God. Hello? This is time to seek God. I'm telling you, this is how it's going to turn. We talk about power plant, nuclear plant, power grid. This is our power grid. Hello? Thank you for your support. Prayer is our power grid. Hello? Prayer is the first thing. Prayer is the second thing. Prayer is the third thing thing. Prayer. You're going to get the revelation in a moment. It's the fourth thing. It's, I don't care how many lists of priority you have. It's prayer, 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 prayer. Where's MC Hammer when you need him? Back in the 80s. You got to pray just to make it today. You got to pray. Pray. Exactly. That's what you got to do. Badosa. That's what you got to do, America. That's what you got to do, Ukraine. That's what we have to do to take this nation back. I'm telling you, D.L. Moody said every revival can be traced to a kneeling posture. Hello? On the day of Pentecost, before that they fasted and prayed for 10 days, before the revival broke out. Hello? We want to see revival? We need to pray. Hello? Try to say prayer. Very important. Listen, communication and navigation goes together. When a pilot wants to fly an airplane, he has to communicate with a control tower in order to navigate. Hello? Very important. And sometimes a bad navigation is an evidence of a bad communication. Hello? If the control tower tells the pilot, climb to 30,000 feet, he can't say, you know, I'm born again, spirit filled. I got an anchor of, anchor of a church in Valdosta. And the Lord didn't really allow me to climb higher. I don't feel led. Thank you for your support. I don't really feel led right now. Well, guess what? When you're trained as a pilot, you are trained to obey the control tower. Control tower regulates and controls tra air traffic. They have a radar in which they know the position of every aircraft in the sky. So this is non-negotiable. When the control tower tells you to, to climb up, you climb. Why? There might be a big old 747 coming that you may not know about. And you're on a collision course. Hello? So you don't never argue with a control tower. Where are you going with this big black man? Let me tell you where I'm going to this. Listen, um, Christianity, Christianity can be compared to flying an airplane. God is our spiritual control tower. And prayer is our communication. And our lives is our navigation. And prayer is our communication that empowers us to navigate. Have you having problems with your navigation? Shake your communication, baby. When was the last time you talked to the control tower? 
Come on, when was the last time you tried to open up the prayer gate and let the king of glory step in? Hello? Glory be to God. And, and I know sometimes when we pray, it seems that God is not moving fast enough in our situations. Come on now. I know I'm, I'm in your Kool-Aid right now. I'm about to step into your, fav- into your flavor right now. And that's what gets frustrated because we, we say, well, it doesn't really work. I, I, I've been praying and things are not really moving. Uh, when Kobe Bryant died, I'm an NBA fan, used to be a basketball player. When Kobe Bryant died, I kind of was reading all the other stuff, articles that were coming out about this. And they said something. They say that his pilot was not instrument rated. And that he suffered for something called spatial disorientation. All right? Which is a phenomenon that takes place when a pilot is not instrument rated and he goes into the cloud. And it says spatial disorientation takes place really, really fast. In a, in a few seconds, you don't know whether you're, you're going up, down, left, or right. Now, let me explain to you. A pilot that is not instrument rated depends on his visual to fly. Hello? So he has to have a good visibility. And in this case, the visibility was not good. And he was asked to climb up in the cloud, which is where spatial disorientation took place. And hit the side of the mountain and everybody died. Sad story. Hello? But when a pilot is instrument rated, his ability to fly is not limited to his visual. But it is limited, it is connected to his ability to read the instrument. In other words, he's not moved by the shaking, by the noise. And some of you out there sitting on the plane, you may start to pray in tongues. Somebody stabilize this airplane. Oh my God. We've been in some of the worst turbulence in China, in India, in some places around the world. Oh my gosh. Hello? But the pilot that is instrument ready, he's not nervous. Why? He reads the instrument. The instrument tells him the altitude, the position of the aircraft, the direction of the aircraft, and how to correct issues and move on. And therefore, they can mostly navigate through any storm unscathed. It may not be pleasant because the ride is bumpy and difficult. Or you move left and right and up and down and woo Hello? But he sails through the turbulence because he, he is instrument rated. So the Lord wants me to teach you tonight about having your faith being instrument rated. Come on, faith is a substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. One translation said, not perceived by the five senses. Oh, where is my worship team? That song, Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper, Light in the Darkness. My God, that is who you are. Even though I don't see it, you're working. Even though I don't feel it, you're working. You're working. You never stop working. Come on. This is where your faith has to become instrument rated. You may not see God doing it in front of you, but God is doing more around you, more ahead of you than he's doing in front of you. Read the instrument. What is the instrument? The Word is your instrument. What is the instrument? The Holy Ghost is your instrument. What is your instrument? The faith is the instrument. Open up the gates. Lift up your head. Open up the gates. And let the King of Glory step in. Who is this King of Glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord strong in battle. I'm almost there. I'm about to land the airplane. Now listen to this. So while you're in this turbulent moment where things are not happening as fast as you want it, hello, as quick as you want it, you got to learn how to wait on the Lord. Somebody say, wait on the Lord. Oh, yes. Learn uh, 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 Isaiah 40, 
verse 31. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Oh my gosh. Those who wait on the Lord. This is where the Holy Spirit will come. Romans chapter 8 verse 26. It says when we do not know how to pray. When we don't know how to pray, the Spirit will help us. Romans 8, 26. When we do not know how to pray because of our weakness. Weakness is translated asthenia in the Greek, which means infirmity. Which, mean, which means also the inability. Somebody shout the inability. Say it again, the inability. To produce results. The inability to produce results. That's the word weakness. When we do not know how to pray, ah, the spirit will help. That word help is a word in the Greek. Literally, it means it's, 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 it's translated in the Greek, the original language, sonantelabanai, but it's pronounced sonantelabano. Say sonantelabano. It means to come together. Somebody say come together. Against. Come together against. So this is what happens when you learn how to pray in the Holy Ghost. Oh, well, we do not know how to pray because of our inability to produce results. The Spirit will soon until The Spirit will come together against our inability to produce results by growing which cannot be uttered. Come on. I dare you to pray in tongues right now if you can. Come on, pray in tongues if you're filled with the Holy Spirit. This is why the devil doesn't want you to pray in tongues. He that speaks in tongues speaks mysteries, divine secrets. Hey, let your faith be instrument rated. When you do not know how to pray, pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in, come on, open up your mouth. Pray. In the Holy Ghost, right now. Let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a story. We're almost there. I was preaching the gospel. Put the music down a little bit. I was preaching the gospel in Watonga, Oklahoma. This is a true story. Happened November 1999. It was on the news and everything. I was preaching at a church. I was there for five, six days, all week. When after a Friday night service, the pastor had a heart attack and died on Saturday morning. I don't know if my sermon was that bad. Hello? I got a phone call in my hotel room that pastor has requested, has requested for you to come and pray for her. Sharon Lee was her name. And so, on the way to the hospital, she tells her husband, have ye come and pray for me. And listen to this. As I go to the hospital, when I get there, they refuse to let me get into the emergency room. Hello? Three times I try, they shut me out. So finally, after some time, her husband came out with two doctors. And here's what he said to me. Gee, I want to thank you for your ministry. You've been such a blessing to our church. But Sharon is dead. They've given her 20 electric shocks to try to raise her from the dead. But they were not successful. And she's been dead for over 40 minutes, so they discontinued resuscitation attempt with my blessing. Because if a person has been dead for more than 30 minutes, because of the low concentration of oxygen in their brain, low level of concentration of oxygen in their brain, even if they're revived, they're going to be a vegetable. So he said, I'm going to go home and prepare for the funeral. Thank you for your ministry. I prefer to keep the image that I had of my wife. Everybody say, Kipe is a nice guy. Why many of you don't have a hard time saying that? Say it again, Kipe is a nice guy. Say it in the name of Jesus. No, I'm just kidding. So, I got mad. Why? Here's a man. It's like if 
He's given up on his wife. She's only 50 years old. So young. I, I said to him, so I grabbed him, lifted him from the ground, painted him against the wall. I said, every day in your church this week, God heal people. And the devil kills your wife. She's only 50 years old. You're going to let her die without giving God a chance? I'm already here. She asked for me to be here. Why don't you let me get in there and pray for her? I said, you can go home if you want to, but I'm going to get in there. I'm going to pray for her, and I believe God's going to raise her from the dead. Hello? Now, the two doctors are standing there, and I said, and sir, with all due respect, I, I am not from here. I was her guest, her friend. She requested before she died for me to come and pray. Why are you all blocking me? Can I please go in and pray for her? Of course, after they saw what I did to the husband, they led me in the room. Now, it's easy to tell the story now. But in that room, I didn't have these guys. I didn't have an atmosphere. Hello? And when you are in a room, in an emergency room, it's not a church atmosphere. And to be honest with you, when I pray in tongues, because, you know, I can pray in tongues. I can really pray. You think that's another language that I'm speaking. And I could pray in tongues, but it was not the real me. I was praying for my head. You know, sometimes when you're intimidated, you're not natural because you're uncomfortable. That was me. So I was praying, but I wasn't like the real me. And so suddenly I got a revelation. These two doctors, they probably think you're crazy. They saw you physically, literally almost assault the man that just lost his wife. So why do you have to be a dignified crazy man? Let them see what a crazy man acts like. Be yourself. And that's when I got free. And I started to pray, I'm telling you. Channel 4 came. They interviewed the doctors. They came to Dallas to interview me. They asked the doctor, what did you do in the emergency room that brought this woman back to life? The doctor said, we didn't do anything. The whole time, the big black man was speaking some jungle language when the woman came back to life. Hello? I was not speaking some jungle language. Come on, let the kingdom rise. I was praying in the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. The devil has lied to you that this praying in tongues is not real, that it is fake. The devil is a liar. This thing called praying in tongues is more than making a sound that resembles the name of a Japanese car, Kawasaki or Suzuki. This thing called the Holy Ghost is more than making a sound that resembles a name that you heard in a cartoon movie, Akuna Matata. This thing called the Holy Ghost, it is the power of God. I say it's the power of God. It's the power of God. It has the ability to change, come on, translate real-time results in your circumstance. Hello? So, I'm praying in tongues. Praying tongues, and suddenly I stopped. I yelled from the top of my voice. I shouted, Sharon! Sharon! And I stomped my foot down. I said, Get down in your body now. And Sharon said, She was in heaven walking with Jesus. When Jesus says to her, Keep pace, calling you back. Do you want to go back? She said, No, Lord. I don't want to go back. I want to stay right here in heaven with you. And the Lord said to her, you still have a lot of work to do. You need to go back. And that's when we were in that emergency room when suddenly we saw her left hand move, her left leg move, and the flat line go up and down and up and down. When the natural doctor could not raise her from the dead, Dr. Jesus raised her from the dead. 
when we open up the prayer gates, miracles start to take place. Resurrection. When you open up the prayer gates, miracles will happen. Oh my gosh, there's so much. But I think I'm going to, I still have to talk about Kovan, but maybe tomorrow. Let the kingdom rise. Let the kingdom rise. Let the kingdom rise. Hallelujah. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.